0: This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast.
1: Today is Wednesday, September 13th, 2023. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise eyes to well i took a break last week to travel and make my long overdue pilgrimage to buffalo new york for the national buffalo wing festival and to finally claim my own trophy and induction into the hall of flame by festival founder and close personal friend the wing king himself drew Sirza. Since 2006, I have chaired the Hall of Flame and usually make these inductions myself to those who have taken credit in some way, shape, or form for helping to move the chicken wing from the trash can, where it always used to go, to the center of the plate as the now highly acclaimed global delicacy that wings have become over the course of the past twenty or so years it was great hanging with my brothers and sisters of the wing world judging competitions with fellow judge and buffalo wild wing's founder scott Lowry, and hanging out on the turf at highmark stadium home of the buffalo bills that in and of itself is something of an incredible treat Then, of course, came the U.S. competitive wing-eating championships, which took a surprising turn this year, when Joey Jaws Chestnut dropped to second place yet again, but this time behind Australian newcomer James Webb, who made his way to Buffalo for the very first time, and not just to win, but to actually break the world record by eating 276 wings in 12 minutes. Chestnut fell in some three dozen wings behind at 240, and Mickey Sudo, two-time champion, came in 3rd this year at 231. Well, switching gears, coming up today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to one of the good guys I've come to know over the years at IFA conventions, MFV Expos, and on the franchise circuit at large. In fact, in his heyday years before selling to private equity, while still at the helm as CEO and founder of I9 Sports, I had the good fortune to work with Frank Fumi as a consultant and came within inches of actually being hired by him full-time. Those were some fun years, and we'll unpack all of that in our conversation today. So don't go anywhere. I'm coming back in two minutes or less when I'll be joined by Frank Fumi, founder of I-9 Sports and now podcaster of emerging franchise brands.
0: Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors.
1: Franchisors of restaurants, bars, and grills and multi-unit franchisees, listen up. This message is for you. If you're looking to engage guests, elevate profits and enhance your customer experience, Atmosphere TV is the answer. What's Atmosphere, you ask? Atmosphere is the world's number one streaming TV service for businesses, here to help you make more and save big on overpriced cable packages. Atmosphere provides you with a free programming option, bringing more than 60 ultra-engaging audio-optional channels designed to please customers and increase their average ticket. So, how does it work? Well, it's easy. Upon sign-on, Atmosphere sends you a free device, loaded with over 60 channels of eye-grabbing entertainment. From news and sports to viral videos and fuzzy animals, every channel is family-friendly and designed to keep your customers happy and engaged. Plus, thanks to Atmosphere's 100% audio-optional format, the programming is perfect for any setting, no matter how loud or busy. So, stop playing and paying overpriced cable. Go with free TV instead. Just go to atmosphere.tv forward slash sign up and use the code FRANCHISE, and Atmosphere will waive the usual one-time $99 activation fee for your free-to-stream device. Visit Atmosphere online at Atmosphere.tv, and remember, use the code FRANCHISE to waive your one-time activation fee. Visit Atmosphere.tv to elevate your franchise's entertainment experience today. Frank Fumi is a pioneer in the youth sports industry and the founder of I-9 Sports the nation's first and leading franchisor of youth leagues and camps since two thousand three i nine has generated over three hundred million dollars with more than two million participants in nine hundred communities across thirty states nationwide. A baseball fanatic and native of Queens, New York, Frank graduated from St. John's University and began a career as a medical equipment sales rep, though he was determined to pursue his life's true purpose. So, in 1995, Frank created his own adult men's softball league, ABA Sports. The startup company quickly grew to over 900 teams in just six years, making it the largest sports organization on Long Island. In 2003, Frank sold ABA in order to create I-9 Sports, a business that catapulted him to national recognition and that Entrepreneur Magazine ranked as the number one children's fitness franchise. Frank has been featured on Fox Business, HBO Real Sports, and in dozens of publications and national news media outlets, including USA Today, Sports Illustrated, and The Wall Street Journal. In 2017, Frank sold i9 to a private equity firm, but like any other founder, still feels a great affinity for the brand and is extremely passionate about helping other emerging franchisors find their way as they take their similar journeys. Frank Fumi, welcome to Franchise Today.
2: Hey, Stan, how are you? Thanks for having me.
1: I'm doing great, Frank, and it's fun having you here. Always fun talking with you and looking forward to sharing some things today that maybe the audience didn't know, like who's Frank Fumi, anyway? Well, Frank, let's teach them a little bit about who you are by doing what we do at the onset of every interview on Franchise Today, and that's backing up to when it was that franchising tapped you on the shoulder and woke you up to a way of doing business that you didn't really prepare for initially. How did franchising find you, Frank?
2: Well, Stan, you you hit the nail right on the head. Franchising definitely found me. I didn't go to school for it. What I did go to school for was business management. And I ended up working in medical sales outside right after I graduated. And it just did not fulfill me at all. I started running an adult men's softball league, believe it or not, in Long Island in the mid-90s. And I did it just as a kind of a side hustle. And as it turns out, it was a legitimate business that I kind of stumbled upon where the other league owners, the, the people running sports leagues that had privatized it, had done a pretty poor job. So I started growing my adult men's softball league. And before you know it, I had, gosh, I think at the time I probably had about seven, eight hundred teams. And then my wife and I, after we got married in, in ninety-five, we moved to Florida. Actually we moved in, I'm sorry, moved to Tampa in ninety-six. And it turns out that the NFL had just announced that they were going to launch this thing called NFL flag football as a way of promoting the game of football throughout the country. And I thought, oh man, I think we're really to something here. I, I've got to try it. I knew nothing about kids sports at all. It was before our, our kids were born. And so I hopped all over that and I started running a kids flag football league in Tampa. I had my adult men's softball league in New York. I had a thousand probably plus teams in Long Island. I had probably close to 800 kids playing in Tampa. And I thought to myself, how in the world am I going to grow this thing? I don't think I was even 30 years old at the time. And I was intimidated to hire people around the country. So I did what many of us did back in the 90s. We buy Entrepreneur Magazine. You flip the back pages and you see the different Not only the different opportunities out there, but there was these franchise conferences that these different consultants had, that sort of like uh, their own version of Discovery Day. And so I just became a student of the industry, Stan. I learned as much as I could about franchising, and I thought, this has got to be the way to do it. I get to grow faster using other people's money, and both of those things were key for me. I didn't have a whole lot of money, (laughs) and speed was critical because I felt like other people were going to do this, and I wanted to be first to market.
1: Now, what year are we in when you're doing this?
2: Let's see. In 2001 is when I made the decision that I'm going to franchise. It was probably about 1999 to 2000 in that range where I was really just learning as much as I could. And then in 2001, going forward with iFranchise Group, and Mark Siebert and the guys did a tremendous job of helping me uh, franchise my concept in 2003. And that's when i9 Sports launched.
1: All right. It's about time we called out the name i9 Sports. And- <laughs> And that company has just completed its, what, 20th anniversary, and, and it's been a storied ride. But we're going to break down all of that along the way. We don't want to get the cart too far ahead of the horse. But why don't we start with the name itself, Frank? How did that I-9 name transpire? How inspired that?
2: Well, what inspired it is we couldn't come up with a good good enough name that we all agreed on. And we would, we would line all the walls in the office with those giant 3M post-it notes, the, the, the giant sheets of paper. Mm-hmm. And we would write down all these names that we wanted our company name to be. And the problem was that we were coming up with names that were so generic. Things like I don't know, Grand Slam Sports, and one one point I came up with a company called X Factor Sports. This is back in 2001. And then it occurred to me that, of course, none of us in the office were going to a. We were going to agree, and b. The other thing that I was was I had learned through really through my franchise attorney was it's not just trademarking a name that's important; it's protecting the name that's important. And with that said, I decided that I wanted to come up with something unique, something that was going to be different. That was going to be very easy to protect because of, the, of its uniqueness, even though it was going to be more difficult to market. Obviously, that's the challenge when you come up with a name that doesn't describe what you're doing. And there was one late night, Nadine and the kids are sleeping and I just went my office and I just started writing down words that I wanted my company to be symbolic, that were symbolic of my company. What I thought was what my company was going to be about. And it kind of occurred to me, it jumped out at me. I had a bunch of these I words written down. And this is before the iPod, by the way, when I, when we came up with the name. And so it wasn't, ins- it was not being inspired by Apple, but I thought I to the ninth power when I saw these nine I words jump off the page, it just, it just felt right. So that's how, uh, that's how I-9 sports came to be.
1: Do you have committed to memory what those nine I's are? Oh
2: gosh, we can try. It's innovative integrity-driven, impassioned, inspirational, insightful. What else did I forget here? I got like five in here. That's probably all I, <laughs> That's I not right a right now on the spot. Not a bad go.
1: <laughs> so Frank, it was probably around 2009 or maybe 2010 when yeah. your life and mine connected. And as I recall, I got a call to have a conversation with you and with Brian Sanders to help you guys implement a franchise development program using Process Peak which I don't think is out there anymore. But how ironic that I get retained as a consultant to I-9 Sports. Big guy, Frank Fumi, who I've seen at conventions and IFA events all over the place, loved what you did, loved your energy, loved what you were all about. And I wind up helping you put together Process Peak to mm-hmm. then a little bit later become a partner in FRM Solutions <laughs> doing. That's amazing. Yeah, who knew?
0: <laughs> right,
1: that's, that's knew?
2: franchising, right? That's how it's incredible how small the community is. As big as the as big as this network it seems to be with the amount of companies, it is super small.
1: People talk about the three degrees of separation, and in franchising, I say you got to put a decimal point in front of
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, for sure.
1: So, talk about the. Early stage growth years of I-9, and it was more than flag football. Now, you added a lot of sports to that package, didn't you?
2: Yeah, well, what was really interesting is that when we first franchised I-9 sports, we were actually adult and youth sports. Because I really stand, the truth is, I made almost all of my money in adult men's softball. The youth flag football was really a very small part of it and i knew i knew exactly how to grow an adult men's softball league since i had done it throughout new york i had very limited experience with my kids' flag football league yet when we franchised here's what we turned out to be. As well as our systems and process were in place, we knew how to market. Stan, my adult sports franchises that I sold to were not replicating the success I had in New York. And it was kind of devastating to me. I was stunned. I did not expect it. My franchisees were following what I was doing. I worked closely with them, but we were not getting the same success. On the flip side, the kids flag football leagues and then we introduced soccer and introduced basketball. Those were doing pretty well. The big problem we had, Stan, as many franchises we were selling because we kind of hit the ground running hard. I mean, we weren't having a problem selling franchises. It was easy to sell the dream. The challenge was that our franchise, our brand itself was so diluted because what the hell is an i9 sports if you have adults playing and kids playing because the marketing message is highly diluted and the difficult decision we made was to drop adult sports then we gave our adult sports franchisees the option to switch to youth sports or they can stick it out on their own if they wanted to go solo most of them switched over and once we switched over to just strictly youth sports things exploded for us because now we knew exactly who our target audience was mom was for the most part our customer she was registering the kids we knew to market to the moms and dads when it came to coaching and off we went and And what year would that be that was from 2006 on. So yeah, January 2006 was around the time when we made the decision.
1: And then how did you go about the decision to start adding different sports to the I-9 offerings?
2: Yeah, so you know, the big problem we made, I should say the big mistake we made when we first franchised is as a franchisor, I want my franchisees to be successful, right? And I will do anything for them to be successful But the issue was, I didn't know what I didn't know. And Stan, I'd have somebody call me and say, hey, I know ice hockey, I'm up in Michigan, and I know how to run ice hockey league. Did I tell them no? I added ice hockey to their franchise agreement. And somebody else had a background in wrestling, and somebody had a background in golf. And it was an absolute disaster. So we had to rein everybody in and said, you know what, we need to get really good about our programming. We need to get really, really sharp about our marketing message and how we are positioning ourselves. So we ended up narrowing it down just to flag football, soccer, and basketball. And then it was a few years later where we introduced T-ball. And then we've added, since then, volleyball has been added and lacrosse has been added as well. But we knew we had to be really, really good at the foundation of flag football, soccer, and basketball. Oh, and one more thing. The real reason why we expanded sports, Stan, is that I feared that if we did not act in expanding sports, we were going to be quickly perceived as a flag football company. And I thought that was super dangerous for us to do that. So that's why we started expanding sports to the kind of those core three of soccer, flag, and basketball.
1: So, Frank, how many units did you grow to before you started to get the sweats that emerging franchisors get when they start to wonder if they've outgrown their skis and their business is getting bigger than they can manage or handle? <laughs> Because I remember that you were in some of that mode early days, but how far did it go before you started to break out into those kind of cold sweat moments?
2: Well, let's just say, put it this way, we almost went bankrupt within the first two years because we blew through so much money. We got past that though. We got past it because we redeveloped our marketing. Brian Sanders helped, he came in as a marketing consultant and kind of crystallized our our marketing plan and what the I-9 experience was about while I worked in the training and the support and operations and technology was always my thing. But I'll tell you what, Stan, it was in 2008 when somebody introduced me to the E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. I know you know Michael well. And when I read the book, it resonated with me so much because I I kid you not, page 52 is circled in the book and it's written in the margin. I wrote June 2008 in the margin of the book because there's a quote in there that Michael references. And it says when, I'm going to just paraphrase, but it says something along the lines of when the business grows out beyond the control of the owner, he or she has basically three Options return back to infancy the other sec the second one is just try to grow as fast as possible. And the third one is to hang on for dear life and create those systems and processes. Mm-hmm. And of course I knew to choose number three, but it was at that moment around that time where I was fascinated with this book because when I was reading about the main character, Sarah, who ran this bakery, so much of her story was exactly what I had experienced. And yet I couldn't wait to turn the page of this book to see where my life was gonna go. So it was around that point in time where I was kind of beyond my skis and I knew, I got in front of my skis and I knew that I needed to bring on a COO and president. And that's when I got reconnected with Brian and Brian's been really leading the day-to-day of the company ever since.
1: So let's put a ribbon on the first half of our conversation as we head into a break with a little bit of conversation about where I9 Sports is today, the ex- exciting experience that you just had participating in its 20th anniversary, because it's no longer your company, right? You no. sold your company, and and big, big things have occurred in the lives of the people who bought it, and big things are happening in your world, and we're going to talk about those in part two. but. Just give us a little synopsis of where you left and what's happened since to I-9 Sports.
2: Well, it occurred to me around 2016 that I thought, you know what? I think the company has sort of has out, outgrown my um, my desire to want to be able leading it anymore. I felt like we grew apart. Got to the point where, truthfully, as much as I love the company, I love it to this day. I felt like my dream was already met. My dream had been fulfilled. And as much as it hurt, I felt like that it was best that we go separate ways because my mission was complete. And I think that we're motivated by all different things. I've always been motivated by growing and contributing. And the fact is that I had a great management team that was doing everything, they were running the company. And I personally wasn't growing and I didn't feel like I was contributing much. And heck, I was just too young to feel like I can't, I'm not contributing anymore. So I thought it was it was at that point where I think we should go separate ways.
1: And so how did that look? What took place, what did you do?
2: Oh, okay, so what took place was I first did, actually we did an ESOP. I sold the business to the employees through the Employee Stock Ownership Plan, which which was, which was so much fun because i got a chance to reward my employees with the company and instead of paying i deferred all my taxes to uncle sam by by instead of doing doing this esop so i initially did that and then about two years later i decided that I think time to move on and we had a private equity equity event where my employees got paid out i got paid most for the most part i thought had minority ownership and then our private equity partner lnc decided it was time to sell and we got acquired by war capital and October 21. So since that time, and up until that time, I was on the board of directors and still involved in a very kind of a distant strategic position. But yeah, since October 21, when Rock acquired us, it's been a hell of a wild ride.
1: It's just amazing. It's a great story. I mean, it's an inspiring story. And I'm hoping that the emerging franchisors and this audience will benefit from your candor and your frankness. And we're going to come back on the other side of a break. And we're going to talk about the second half of your life. What does Frank Fumi do next? And literally, it's all about emerging franchise brands. Isn't it, Frank? (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) This is Franchise Today. I'm Stan Friedman. Frank Fumi, founder of I9 Sports, is my guest. We're going to take a quick break and come back and tell you more. Don't go away.
0: Franchise Today will be right back, but first a word from our sponsors.
1: In today's world, for sustainable growth, franchisors must apply systems that manage and support all aspects of franchise development, from getting units open and operating, to supporting operations in the field, managing legal and compliance, royalty management, and franchisee location and ownership information and records management, sometimes across multiple brands. And they must be able to report on all that data on demand. Are you confident that your current tools are delivering that to you today, much less achieving it to your satisfaction? Well, time to say hello to FRM Solutions, because FRM does all that and more. With open APIs, associated data can be pushed or pulled from anywhere to FRM. That's why franchise administrators, legal teams, and franchise executives at some of America's largest and multi-branded portfolio companies rely upon FRM Solutions as their single source of truth. And if that's not enough, FRM can identify single or multi-unit franchisee records across multiple brands within your portfolio of concepts, delivering you the power of one, the one and only tool for seamless multi-brand franchise relationship management. And that power of one applies too if you're an established and fast-growing single concept franchise. In either case, FRM scales with your company and helps you grow your business. Forget about building a custom system and say good riddance to inflexible products. FRM is customizable and upgrades are included. It even integrates with Outlook, Gmail, and text messaging, making it fully functional within your native environments. It's time to simplify your life and compound your success. Do it today with the power of one, and that one is FRM Solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com and order up a demo today. And the conversation continues today with Frank Fumi, founder of i9 Sports and now the host and producer of emerging franchise brands the podcast. And Frank, we're going to talk some about the withdrawal that you went through post exit, which is I guess the closest thing that anyone can equate that to if they're not a business owner or a founder, is maybe being the father of the bride who has to pass his mm-hmm. daughter to another man. I'm sure every father of every bride has gone through a similar emotion that a successful founder of a business has felt when, yeah, the greatness of the liquidity event put a lot of money in the bank, but oh my God, my heart hurts. Talk to us about that.
2: It did, and and I, I don't expect people to have sympathy, and that's probably one of the hardest things that people don't talk about or can't that they can talk about. But the truth is is that I didn't start I-9 Sports for the money. That was never the intention. I did it because I was freaking passionate about sports and I wanted to create something and, and make an impact. But when we got to the point where I felt like, you know, I think the company has, I'm growing and the company's growing in two different ways that I think it's time for me to move on. You know, when the zeros first hit your bank account, of course, it feels good because you're going through such a process to get to the finish line, right, of getting the company acquired it's that's that whole process is not easy so when it's done you're kind of exhausted you feel great it's over you look at the bank account you know you have those moments and then about two weeks later I was just like okay well now what I didn't leave to do something else that was not my intention I was leaving because it was time to move on as I said but there is a normal grieving process when it's your baby and you want to see it grow you want to see it thrive but I went through the the entire grieving process you would like you would in any debt and it was during that time of sort of uh, how in darkness, I would say I was feeling, I felt blue. I tried to keep myself busy. I started writing a book and I wrote my first book, which I published in October, 2019, which felt like a, it was a great way of tying a bow around things because I got a chance to write my journey. Again, back to the impact that the e Revisited had on me because of the way Michael wrote that book in a more of a story form, I wanted to write my book in more of a story form because there's, you know, there's so many business books out there that are written by business experts, and I just didn't want to write another business format book. So I thought that was going to fulfill me. So I wrote this book. I publish it. I do a little bit of speaking, and then before you know it, COVID hits. So everything kind of went on hold. And then before you know it, time kind of went by. And I don't know, it's kind of weird. I've said this, you know, that analogy of the the frog that's in boiling water when you kind of warm up the water slowly, doesn't realize it's being boiled. Yeah, sure. I think that, that kind of happened to me where I never said the word retired. I did not intend on retiring. That was not my intention. But it's almost like the longer that COVID went, the desire for me to do something new started waning to the point where I'll tell you, I got intimidated about a year ago, a little more than a year ago where I had this realization that I said, geez, maybe I can't start anything new because my internal dialogue was this. I'm just being honest, Stan. My internal dialogue was I will never create something as great as I9 sports. It was too massive to ever think I could ever redo that. And I think I just started feeling almost like, not like I was giving up, but feeling like, you know, maybe that's, that's what all my life was about. Maybe that was my legacy only. And it wasn't until a little less than a year ago when I started playing softball again and I think it's very interesting how baseball has always kind of given me another I don't know shot in life just like I started my softball league started by playing softball I started playing softball again and I felt alive I felt like my old self. I felt like I wanted to do something meaningful again. And I thought about what really gives me passion? What do I feel? What makes me feel fulfilled? What was the happiest time in my life? And staying the happiest time in my life from a professional standpoint was that emerging time period. It wasn't when we were north of 100 units. It's when we were grinding, when we were growing, when we had fires to put out. And it was exhilarating and it was scary as hell, but it was that emerging period that was just, it lit me up. And hence, that's what, uh, what has brought me to this next stage of my life.
1: And we're going to talk about that right after I give this book of yours a shameless plug. The book <laughs> is Running With My Head Down, An Entrepreneur's Story of Passion perseverance, and purpose. And I encourage everyone in the emerging franchise audience to pick that up at Amazon today. Now, Frank, let's talk about the new podcast and how you are once again fulfilling that hole that fills the space that you didn't think you could ever reclaim, but you're fired up with passion again, and you're podcasting and improving the lives of an audience of some of the loneliest people on the planet, aren't you?
2: It is a very lonely job, right? it's an entrepreneur. Stan, I, I have not been this passionate excited about business since about 2011. That was kind of like my peak at I-9 Sports. Like We were just humming on all cylinders. I just felt I was contributing involved so much. And the now the opportunity where I get to interview emerging franchisors, founders that were where I was, as well as interviewing franchise industry experts and talk about A, we talk about the elusive with the experts. It's how do we, how do those franchisors get past that elusive hundred units? and with the founders we talk about their business how not only how they got started what their vision is what are their challenges what's going well what makes them different and we just have a i think it's a different kind of podcast maybe of a it's I wanted it to be more casual founder founder and truthfully aside from your podcast I really don't listen to many podcasts at all I felt like when I would listen to other podcasts it was starting to get in my head like I can't listen to these because it's going to change the way I do my podcast so I just want to be me and I'm I know I'm having a great time I'm an amateur in a pot in the podcast world here but I love what I do and it's it's given me a new uh, a new lease on life
1: well I'm proud to say that I was included in the guest roster on some of those early episodes can't wait for mine to air you're going to really just take this thing and blow it out i know you are frank second to money the most important thing you bring to the business no matter what the business is is passion and when you've got as much passion as you do for the space of emerging franchisors you're paying it forward like we're doing with zor forum and literally you and i need to get together and figure out how to make those oh, yeah. two make more sense
2: oh yeah it, this is so much fun because it's a space where these founders that i'm talking with they have that that you you know, that I have the tiger, they have so much spark and so much spunk and there's so much there and so much fire. And to be able to have that come through in, in an interview is just, it, it's electric. It fires me up when I get done with these podcasts. Nobody knows about this. I don't know when we're going to air this podcast, but our episode here, but my first episode does not air until September 4th. So of course, although I have an audience of zero as of the time that we're recording this show. I will tell you that I have already, between the people I've interviewed and the guests I've coming up, it's over 45 guests already. I am super excited because it's catching fire just within my little community and network.
1: Where is it going to be hosted, Frank? How will people find it and what's it called?
2: Well, it's called the Emerging Franchise Brands Podcast, and it can be found on all the major platforms, so Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and we are also on video, so it will be on YouTube as well, and we're going to be airing episodes every Monday and Thursday. And- And that's going to start again on Monday, September 4th is when the first one. In fact, I think I'm going to be putting three episodes out right on September 4th is how it's going to work. And then there'll be two a
1: week that'll be aired. So that's just a week away and that's Labor Day, isn't it? Yes. Well, it's a labor of love for Frank Fumey. So it makes nothing but sense to me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Frank, what have I not asked you today that you wished I did? Gosh,
2: I you know I, I think you I I think we kind of cover the gamut of I-9 I nine sports. I would just say that that when it comes to franchising, mm-hmm. the one thing I would suggest is that for folks that are listening to this, we know that we don't go to school necessarily for franchising, but the greatest value I have gotten has been from talking to folks like you, Stan, and others at the IFA, at the different conferences. It is just an ability to learn from a fire hose because this community that we're in, in franchising is so generous with information. And it's one of the things I do in my podcast. At the end of every episode, I call it the tip jar. And whether it's an emerging founder or it's a franchise expert, I ask them to share a piece of advice they would give to maybe an aspiring franchisor or, or somebody that's in the thick of it. And I just, want, you know, I just wanted to say that this is such a generous community that I was surprised that when I shared with folks such as yourself, Stan, that I was going to be launching this podcast on how much you all embraced me and were excited to talk with me and have me on and I feel like I've been under a rock for quite a number of years so I'm kind of blown away and I'm so grateful and honored they will be embraced by the
1: community once again How about some contact info Frank so that those waiting for the podcast's Emergence can find you before then
2: Sure, well they can go to our website it's EFB Podcast so Emerging Franchise Brands EFBpodcast.com. They can also go to my website which is FrankFiume.com that's F-I-U-M-E and they can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, we're also on all the Emerging Franchise Brands is on, on all the social channels. The social channels are a little light right now, but we are slowly but surely building up posts, so I hope everybody listens in.
1: Well, Frank, this has been an absolute pleasure. Being reconnected and having you back in my life is an absolute pleasure, so the bonus of having you here on Franchise Today is just over the top for me. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing so much with our audience, which in large part consists of emerging franchisors.
2: Thank you so much, Dan. I appreciate it. I look forward to seeing you at an upcoming event.
1: Can't wait to see you too. Frank Fumi, host of Emerging franchise brands podcast and founder of i9sports. Well, we close this week on a sad note, as we must report that the franchise world grieves the sudden and unexpected loss of franchising icon Mike Bidwell. Mike has led Neighborly and its concepts at every level. He was a successful and visionary franchisee and served as president for three Neighborly subsidiary franchise companies. In 2000, Neighborly named Mike chief operating officer, and in 2007, Mike was also named president. In January of 2014, he was named president, and CEO. Our prayers and condolences go out to the Bidwell and neighborly families as the entire franchise world mourns of the loss of this iconic leader. Until next week, when we return to do it all again, I'm Stan Friedman wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising, and franchise today...